Welcome to the Two Tokens Podcast. During these episodes, we will invite guests onto our show and discuss everything token-related. You can expect to hear about token business models, the underlying technology stack, token governance, but also more mainstream topics such as NFTs. Does this sound interesting to you? Then make sure you subscribe and keep listening. And now, on to the episode. Good morning, good day, wherever you are. Welcome in the studio, Martijn. We are here in uh, the Provincia Zuid-Holland. And uh, Martijn, we last did a podcast last year with uh, Dammel, Digital Asset. Yep. Claudia, this is your first time. Yes. Maybe uh, you can introduce yourself. Yes, of course. Well, thanks for, uh, for having us. Uh, my name is Claudia Terpstra. I work as an innovation manager in financial markets at Rabobank. Um, and before that, I spent three years in the blockchain team of Rabobank. Yeah, I remember you from there. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Martijn, short yeah. introduction. Uh, thanks. So my name is uh, Martijn Sieberland, uh, working in the digital asset uh, um, group of strategy and innovation. Yeah. So uh, today... Um, we're not talking about uh, blockchain, we're not talking about tokenization, we're not talking about Web3. We are talking about uh, what you're going to be presenting here at the expert session. The first one in 2023 is a new year. It's a time for a new narrative. You are actually no longer building stuff, you're putting it in the market. Can you elaborate both? Claudia, ladies first. Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, so maybe uh, I'll start with a short history of the project that I'm working on. So what we're trying to achieve is actually real-time settlement for commercial paper. And commercial paper is a short-term debt instrument that is traded on, uh, on the financial markets. Um, we started the project back in 2018. Um, and we actually issued then a commercial paper natively on blockchain. Um, and the settlement via just existing payment infrastructure. And then we learned, talking to clients, um, that there are a couple of things why we couldn't do um, native issuance of a debt instrument on blockchain yet. And that was because the, um, the legal framework for this particular financial instrument is not supporting digital assets yet. Um, also, clients weren't ready yet. Um, it's also pretty difficult to disintermediate uh, uh, a central security depository uh, like uh, like Euroclear or Clearstream. And so we basically found out, okay, back in 2018, it was a bit too difficult to actually do atomic settlement on blockchain for financial instruments that, are, that already exist today. Um, and so we did a lot of pivots and where we ended up now is that we built a hybrid solution where we basically use blockchain to distribute data so that we actually can increase settlement times for this particular financial instrument. Um, it's not real time because there are lots of players involved. Um, however, by distributing data faster, everybody has the right information about this specific financial instrument. And so settlements can happen faster. So basically what we achieve today, if an uh, if, uh, issuer wants to issue a commercial paper, after the trade date, it takes two days before they actually receive their cash. And we decrease the time to approximately 30 minutes. So from two days to 30 minutes. Yes. So that's still a very <laughs> big gain, huh? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 We, I remember when we had our discussion in November with Digital Asset, that was 
that was what we discussed all along, right? So this uh, increase in speed, yep. creating more liquidity, creating new business models. Is that also uh, what you're going to be presenting? Uh, um, yes, so um, we we have started our journey also around the 2018 somewhat there, but first working uh, on a project like the Comgo Vact, uh, which was more on trading commodity finance, uh, but but where we uh, used also uh, the, the blockchain technology for. Uh, from there we uh, we moved to more the security side of the of the the, the value chain. So we uh, were one of the members of Pictor, which was a decentralized vault for security tokens. Uh, and from there, we also uh, started to work on, on the issuance of tokens uh, to see what kind of benefits we could uh, find there uh, at the start. First, what we did was a kind of a digital twin. So just do the existing process and then we, uh, we replicate that. Uh, we see that now more and more with all kind of hybrid tokens coming to the market, like maybe you've seen uh, UBS doing a dual listing. So they did a native one and a digital twin one. So this means that Investors can go for the normal route, so the, the, the central uh, security depository, or they go via a digital one. Uh, and they drive, of course, to increase the digital one, but they see nowadays uh, that uh, the existing one is, of course, the most favorable for a lot of the investors. Um, and from this uh, digital twin, we, we started to work with, uh, with clients also to issue uh, security tokens in the Dutch uh, legal uh, framework. Um, but we see also a lot of traction in Germany around this, uh, this topic because they have the regulation there in place since May 2022. And we hope maybe with the DLT pilot regime that uh, things coming to more speed and adoption in the market because it's uh, still early days. So good, that's a good bridge because you said Germany. Yeah. <laughs> and they've had this new uh, crypto cassettes. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you can explain a little bit, you know, why it's interesting for a bank like ABN AMRO or Rabobank for that matter, because I understand that in your pilot, Claudia, there is an Austrian bank and, and another European bank involved. But how is the crypto cosets in Germany compared to the Dutch legal uh, framework that we have here? Yeah, so uh, we don't look at the crypto side at this moment. So there's also a security uh, legislation in place uh, that is of interest for, uh, for us as a bank. Uh, where they uh, made a digital asset uh, also illegal. Um, the, the, the transfer of a digital asset is also, uh, you could do it also in a legal manner. So in the Netherlands, it's still that you have to do it dual. So you have to do the physical uh, delivery and you can do the, the digital one. Where in uh, Germany already, the digital one prefers if you comply with all kinds of, of rules. So. Also, that's maybe not uh, ideal yet to have uh, instant settlement, uh, direct uh, transfer, etc. Uh, but at least there is a guidance for investors and for uh, issuers and for banks where you can work around. So, Claudia, do you think that in a way uh, Germany is ahead of the Netherlands when it comes to this type of legislation? or? Um, I think that in Germany it's also possible to actually have a fully dematerialized security, whereas in, in the commercial paper uh, space where we uh, operate in, it's still uh, necessary if you want to have your commercial paper as collateral in the ECB. It needs to actually be printed and put in a vault uh, at, at Euroclear. And so I believe in, in Germany this is actually different. So yeah, in that sense, they, they, they are ahead. Yeah. That's amazing. Germany is not known to be ahead of, you know, the innovation cycle when yeah. it comes to uh, these types of new technologies. Yeah. But in this case, they are. 
Yeah, and I think I've seen it already a couple of years ago where they really started with uh, also of uh, banks offering crypto custody, for example. So um, I think they're in this space quite innovative and, uh, and indeed ahead. So do you see your customers asking for this? Is this something that customers uh, say, well, this is interesting, Rabobank, please uh, come with this product? Or is it, are you ahead of the curve for the customers as well? You know? You know what does it look like? Because we're solving problems here, efficiency, which is great. Yeah. You know, and speed and liquidity—that's great for the banks. But is it also good for the customers? What problem do you solve for the customer? Yeah, that's a good question. So we have basically have two uh, customer categories. Um, we have on the one side the, the issuers or the borrowers, let's say the Dutch state treasury agency or the Ministry of Finance of the Netherlands that was part of the pilot. And then on the other side, the asset manager, let's say Northern Trust that was part of our pilot. So the Dutch states want to raise uh, money out of the out of the markets um, and Northern Trust will actually provide the money and then buy the commercial paper. Um, so today we speak about these two days uh, of settlement that, that is necessary. So the Ministry of Finance need to wait two days before they actually receive that, that, that money. And Northern Trust, well, basically um, buys that commercial paper, let's say today, but only receives it on, uh, uh, which day is it today? Wednesday, Friday. Mm. And so, but rates can change in this, uh, especially in these days. Mm. So uh, it's quite costly to, 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 to do that. Um, but also by enabling this 30-minute settlement, we also generate efficiencies on the back office. So we try to do this in a scalable way, in an automated way. And basically, so we do that by propagating this data quicker. Um, so what we're really solving is first on the front office side that, that well, uh, both parties receive either the cash or the security earlier. So for the asset manager, that means that they can um, manage their cash flows uh, better because, well, they don't have to wait for two days. Um, on the issuing side, they receive their money in, in 30 minutes instead of two days, so they can also uh, plan better ahead. And so we generate these efficiencies on the back office as well. So that's a huge advantage. So yeah. Are you marketing this, this new product to your customer base? Yes, yes? we are. Yes, and yes. how is it received? Um, it's very well received um, because, well, we both well we focus on both uh, both teams. Let's say uh, within our customers, so we speak to front office, we speak to back office uh, with both these efficiencies. Um, what uh, the front office uh, people tell us is that. I think the market has been waiting for T plus zero settlement already for years, and it's very hard to achieve because there are so many parties involved. Um, a borrower works together with an issuing and paying agent that communicates with Euroclear, and an investor uh, uses a custodian to communicate with Euroclear. So to do one transaction, you have already a lot of parties involved. Um, and then also regulators are part of this whole ecosystem as well, of course. Um, so it really takes a lot of parties to be at the table to make sure that you can uh, basically change the, the way of working for a whole industry. And that, that also takes a lot of time. So I recognize early days. Um, it is, but it is possible. Um, and uh, yeah, it goes step by step. So you really had a customer ask, you know, to, to create this token. Right? Yeah. yeah. APOC. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, back in 2020 uh, already. Uh, this is an uh, airport, airport uh, uh, part out company for for airports. 
So what they do is uh, they uh, they buy uh, air, airplanes and they take out the, the landing gear or the engine or other uh, stuff that can be uh, reused. Uh, so uh, of course, uh, due to to COVID, etc., they had some some other things uh, on the table then to to push for this uh, tokenized uh, bond that we have done uh, with them now. Um, but um, yeah, they they are a company uh, which are quite uh, tech savvy, uh, doing a lot with uh, with AI, and they uh, they have seen that. Uh, there is a limitation on raising funds with uh, with crowdfunding, but there is also a gap on the on the capital markets uh, to be filled. So, in that market in between, you also see that uh, uh, there's coming into place the capital markets union, where also the regulators would like uh, to see that uh, in Europe we will get kind of the same uh, financial market as in the US, where a lot of uh, uh, banks are less financing and and other parties take over, like uh, pension funds or maybe wealthy investors. Um, in, in Europe, you could say generally 80% is coming from the banks, where it is 20% in the US. Uh, but if you would like to achieve that, we need to have an instrument to do so as well. And we think that with an example of, uh, of, of APOC, uh, we could see that we could lower the costs, uh, we could standardize more, and we could start uh, creating also a uh, digital finance stream for uh, those uh, mid-corp companies that will fit also in the capital markets union. So for us, what we see is that on one hand, uh, the, the digitalization, so digital bonds, uh, they become more and more uh, to the market. So we have seen EIB bond uh, for the third time now last week with the uh, with HBC. So it's a 50 million pounds sterling uh, one. Uh, there has been one done with, uh, with SockChain and one with JP Morgan. Uh, we have as ABN AMRO done a secondary trade on uh, the EIB one with, uh, with SockChain to see also for our operation process what's there, what's missing, and what do we need to uh, to develop. And from there, we were also able to make the step to our clients, say, right, uh, we know now uh, the process on the on the back office, and we would like to test also the front. So we teamed up with a company uh, called Bitbond for the issuance and with Fireblocks to uh, to do the custody. Um, and uh, yeah, we did we did a successful uh, deal there. Also took with us uh, AFM DMB uh, to, to show what we are doing. Um, they uh, they are supportive to uh, initiatives like this because they say right we have a framework in place that also covers digital uh, issuances. So uh, you could do this in the Netherlands, although you have to find the the, the guidelines yourself. Uh, so it will cost more time, and then it's also difficult to scale. I think uh, to make this interesting also for for the banks and to make it an interesting proposition for our clients, we need to scale because a one-off is very expensive if you need to pay all the fees to lawyers, tech companies, etc. Uh, especially if it are smaller deals. So usually the, the sweet spot for, for debt capital markets, which is our initiative sponsor, uh, the tickets are way uh, above uh, the, the, the deal size we did with, uh, with APOC. Uh, but it was really to, to test, to build and to show that we are capable of doing this. And we are now replicating this in uh, Germany with an institutional client and also in the Netherlands, we have mandates to, uh, to do so. Uh, and we're also talking with, uh, with investors who see that EIB is doing bonds, uh, others are doing as well. So yeah, they, they try to, to engage, but it is hard to find the right people within big organizations that have the mandate and the knowledge about this. So two banks, you know, two big banks in, in the Netherlands. You both are on the forefront of bringing in new technology for new services and, and to bring the banks to the next, you know, to, to the next level, right? Because we all agree that banks will have a new role to play. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, there are studies that say that by 2030, 10% uh, of all global assets will be tokenized in some way or another. Um, um, digital assets are, I think, going to be a nice 
uh, income stream for mm -hmm. the banks mm -hmm. and tokenization as such and, and the technology underneath is going to be instrumental to do this. But for the banks, it's going to be important that there is a level playing field in Europe, I would Im imagine, right? How is that level playing field now in Europe? We, we have MICA coming. You know, I think uh, it's better, you know, MICA, there's a lot of concerns about MICA, but I think regulation is better than no regulation, right? Um, what, is, what is your view on that? You know, Claudia, you first. You know, wh what is your view on t in terms of m uh, the level playing field in Europe? and how MICA can help uh, banks such as Rabobank to, to, to start offering tokenized uh, products. Yeah, definitely. So for the real-time ECP project that I work on, we stay within the field of, of MIFID because we don't actually tokenize. So the commercial paper is now already regulated and, and so it will be in the same way because we don't offer it as a digital asset. I think initiatives is, such as indeed markets and crypto assets, but also the DLT pilot regime can really help to 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 indeed um, set up these kind of experiments and to really learn how it could work. Um, you do see indeed like these uh, these differences between countries as well, like we just talked about with Germany and I think also in Switzerland, and that's why. Um, for example, UBS was able to do this dual listing is that also the, the switch law is, is much more broader. And, and so we do see these differences between countries. And I think for, for the Netherlands to stay ahead, it should really have a look at these kind of countries to also see, well, what's possible. Um, and I think it's really good. I hear you also involved AFM and DMB in your initiative, and we did the same. Um, I think it really helps to, to make sure that you do this together. Um, but maybe we could be a little bit more aggressive there. <laughs> she says with a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, Martijn? Yeah, what, what you see is that it, it looks like it's also a kind of competition between the, the central banks. Eh? So uh, you see, for example, France active with their uh, uh, central bank digital currency, uh, who are also involved in the EMB transactions to, to do direct settlement or other things. So. Uh, if you have a uh, central bank like that acting, uh, it's also easier maybe to uh, to deploy uh, some other new uh, uh, products or propositions. Um, yeah, that I think that it's it's still uh, early days. So also for for tokenized securities, if there is a standard across Europe, yeah, it would 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 help Europe in general because we are now talking with some clients from Germany, some from France, some from UK, from Netherlands. Sometimes it's Swiss. Uh, and it's difficult to harmonize that. So you see also that uh, some of the bigger projects with uh, all kinds of different banks trying to come with a consortium to, to uh, innovate in the, in the capital markets, they stopped because some were from the US, some were from Singapore, some were from Europe, and there was uh, no way to, to harmonize all the regulation. So it doesn't make sense to do it in a consortium like that. Uh, yeah, and if you do it just alone, why are you going to use the blockchain then? Yeah, but if you look at JP Morgan with the Onyx, I mean, they're talking trillions of dollars. So aren't we missing the boat here in Europe? If you look at what's happening in, in, in on Wall Street, even in Singapore, right, with their uh, yep. project Guardian, uh, yeah. no, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid, mm -hmm. well, maybe, maybe we will catch up and there's no harm done, but things are moving fast, seems yep. like. Of course, they are open to uh, to welcome you to their platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but there are multiple platforms uh, out there already. Eh? So uh, you you name uh, Onyx with JP Morgan, but HBC has Orion. Uh, you see uh, Sockchain Forge uh, is coming to the market with uh, with a product, and yeah, you you will see multiple others uh, at this moment as well. And then we come back to the interoperability and how can you work with that. And and there are also initiatives that are more on the permissionless blockchain. 
Uh, but yeah, we have to see how that uh, works out in the in the future. Yeah, what Swift announced last uh, October, I think, it basically means you can do atomic swaps on on a bank account. On, uh, yeah, I think the interesting thing what you see is also with the DLT pilot regime we know, and also our our uh, first first deal with with APOC. It costs a lot of time, lost a lot of education before you go through all the hoops internally, externally to to do this. So when the DLT pilot regime will come into place in March 2023, this means that they have been talking about this 2018, 2019, some, somewhere there. That's the same with all the platforms coming to the market right now. So I hope that uh, with the platform, with some regulation, it will speed up a bit. And then you were referring to the 10% of BCG uh, in 2030. Uh, interesting to see is that this report was first out uh, and then they say it was 2027. So yes. we missed three years. Maybe it's COVID, but... That's not exactly three years. Uh, so you see that the, the adoption, adoption need to come. And yeah, what, what I mainly say is that uh, where we are right now is uh, you have the e-commerce, but you don't have the, the same day delivery uh, that we are used to today. And still the shops are open as well in the city. Uh, so, so that's a bit where we are, where you have also that dual approach. Uh, so for us as a bank, it's interesting to, to guide our clients, to help. And we make uh, may, uh, frequently the analogy that uh, as ABN AMRO, we have been one of the first also with the green bonds, and we would like to do that now also with, with, with the tokenized bonds. So that's where we are trying to, to guide some of our clients. Some of our clients are faster than we, and, and we have the other way around. So it's a very interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. What I also think is happening right now is that we've seen lots of these kind of experiments, pilots, proof of concepts, I think maybe starting in 2018, we both started on our project in 2018 as well, going fully on blockchain, generating 100% of all efficiencies possible. But then if you try to scale that in the market and you wanna change uh, an existing market infrastructure that's been in place for years, it's also very difficult. And so I think also what SDX with the dual listing is doing, what lots of banks are doing is really making sure that you go well through this transition period until the legal framework is, is up and running. Maybe the DLT pilot regime is fully crystallized. Um, so I think we see we'll, we will see more and more projects that are somewhere in between in, in such a hybrid solution or more in a transition phase where you can do both digital assets indeed and but also still traditional assets or lever leverage the technology to operate with current infrastructure because then you can actually realize those benefits maybe partly but at least realize benefits today and still making sure you, you'll be prepared for the future. Hmm. Well what's interesting is that the three of us, we've been in this industry for what, you, know, you and I, yeah, at least since 2016, right? But, and now we're, what, five, six, seven years? Well, you have gray hair now, but... Um, <laughs> um, thanks. Thanks, yeah. But uh, things just takes time, right? I mean, this is not a quick fix. So I, I, you know, I think this is a generational thing, right? Because mm. we, mm -hmm. we need people, we, need, we have a, a, a knowledge gap, I think. Right, so for that reason, with the with the universities and the community, we are starting a, a token economy masterclass, so that you will have six afternoons to train the professionals exactly on this, because there's a lot of yep. uh, uh, unknowns, and so people are screaming for for education, but at the same time, uh, to apply this in industry for you know an, an, an airplane parts company that's one you know we could have we could tokenize we could you know fractional ownership of real estate you know or or, or energy all these industries are going to require uh, the know-how that mm -hmm. should be with the banks and with the, re the legal regulatory bodies behind it 
and I think it's important for um, you know the, uh, for for the, uh, for the Netherlands, but for Europe, that we that we get that knowledge level up, and that we start implementing these projects. And you are at the forefront with 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 the projects that you are going to be presenting here today. So. Um, uh, with that said, I would like to thank you for 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 this presentation. I'm sure we're going to be seeing more of your uh, your 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 projects uh, later this year. And uh, you know, I uh, I uh, I I leave the last word for Claudia. Oh, for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. No, I know you. because <laughs> that's uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think what you're doing is is exactly the right thing. So um, I think uh, us having uh, having talks about this and also as banks actually collaborating. I mean, it's not the first time we see each other. Um, also, uh, ING is very active in this space as well. So we should definitely not forget them. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, the only way to uh, to make it very useful is for everybody to team up. So uh, thanks for organizing. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was it for today's podcast. Thank you for listening in and please subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact details at www.twotokens.org.